episode of These Go to Eleven. Let's turn it up. Hey everybody, welcome back to These Go to Eleven, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. This not only helps us to get our content out there, but also helps us to find out what you, our faithful listeners, think. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going on, man? <laughs> oh, sorry, dude. It's the tryptophan from Thanksgiving last dude, week. That, I was going to say, that was like several days ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> dude, I'm still working on the leftovers. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. No, no. How was your ham yeah. Thanksgiving, dude? Because yeah. you're, you're the ham guy. Yeah, ham guy, dude. It, uh, it was good. I mean, the just the fact that uh, everybody talks about how good turkey is. Yep. They only eat it once a year. No, it's, dude. It can't be that good if you're only yeah. eating it once a year. Yeah. So I think people have just kind of tricked their minds into thinking um, or, or into forgetting how yep. bad it is. Like they eat it on Thanksgiving and they're like, no, this actually really isn't that great. But then you have a whole year to forget about it and you're like, oh yeah, turkey, Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then you eat it again and exactly. you're like, eh, I can wait a whole nother year for that, it. That's why it's a yearly event. Because yeah. if it was every six months, people would retain the memory and say, "That's right." Why am I doing this? Turkey sales would go down. <laughs> That's so true, dude. I bet the turkeys are rooting for that. I know, right? Saying, Come on, have us more, so you'll never have us again. I, um, yeah, like I told you, dude. Uh, it's weird. Like sometimes for a change of pace, mm-hmm. yeah. As you and I, dude, have eaten our share of uh, delicious cheese steaks. Or yes, the occasional Italian cold cut, the chicken parm, the chicken parm. Yep. Uh, I will, from time to time, as a change-up, like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get, like, a turkey sub. Sure. Lisa always gets a turkey sub, and I can do it occasionally. If it's a good quality deli meat mm-hmm. slice of turkey, and it's doctored up well, I'm like, oh, this is a nice change of pace. Still, though, that's different than the yeah. the the carved bird coming out of the oven. Oh, yeah. what a beautiful bird. I'm like, eh, I guess. Um and honestly, dude, mine is under, I don't know if I've been eating turkey these last 50 years because, frankly, there's so much gravy on top of it. <laughs> I might be eating like a kitchen sponge or something, dude. I don't care. Right. Uh, because I get the gravy and the mashed potatoes and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're. I know we're a little past Thanksgiving, but yeah. I, uh, uh, I do enjoy, um, uh, do you ever do the uh, leftover desserts for breakfast? Oh, yeah. Oh, isn't that the best? Dude? Yeah. We, we, yep. Yeah, we come down, and uh, and I'm one of the few pecan guys. Okay. Ella and I are the pecan pie eaters. She likes it. Yep. Uh, Sam, back nobody else likes it, so that one I always know is around. That's a nice. ridiculously sweet pie. Yeah. I still put whipped cream on it. Um, and, yeah, the pumpkin. Yep, yep, pumpkin. Yep. Isn't that great, dude? I get a pot of coffee going. Yeah get those leftovers yeah going. oh it's good so we um three years ago covid was you know in full force yeah and uh joy and i were not going it, it's not that there was a travel ban joy and i were not going anywhere or doing anything simply out of practicality sake we're both teachers yeah and if you uh it, 
if you were even suspected of having COVID, you showed the symptoms, forget testing positive, you show the symptoms, Yeah, you need to go out and get mm-hmm. tested, you need to quarantine, all these things. And yep. so as teachers, we just, the, no, we're, it is going to be too much of an inconvenience and hassle yep. uh, if I'm around all those people. Yep sore throat and all that stuff. And then you've got to quarantine, you've got to test and you've got to make sure and all of that. So we just decided then we were not going to do that and we have not done it since. And I am so happy. Yeah. Um, because again, we started our tradition of doing the ham and I started not doing full pies, but I started doing these cookie pies. Oh, So you, uh, you know, you get the, you get the crust, you yep. know, that pre-made crust that yeah, you normally yeah. do and just get like a glass and cut out a little circle in it, mm-hmm. then fill it with the little pie stuff. And then you still drape the, Ooh. you know, the other, the, you know, pieces, the crisscrossing over the top of it. So it looks like a pie, do a little egg wash on it and heat those up. And you got these nice, like good size, uh, little, uh, you know, almost silver dollar pancake type yeah. pies that you can just scarf down so. dude where has this been all my life and yeah. hold on let me text lisa while we're doing this podcast because i need these personal pies they're oh they're good dude i could put my name on it you, dude you could have a whole bag full of them just dude i'm like taylor swift i got a blank space baby and i'll write your name <laughs> but the name will be my name because i uh yeah we have pie wars in our house dude that's the thing with the shared pie you know, and the slice that yeah. somebody might take that's like, what? Where's the pie? I just took a slice. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's half the right. pie. <laughs> that's a couple of my boys. I have two of them, so you know which ones I'm talking right, about. Right, right. Um, so oh, that that's that's good, dude. Well, it's it was uh, it was nice, dude. And man, we're we're already heading into Christmas season. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about our Christmas series too. Oh, I, I don't am wanna, too. We don't have to give that one all away, but I think that's going to be. Uh, um, it, it long time since we have yeah you know, i always love our christmas series because we do sort of the uh what's the word the the customs and traditions the nostalgia nostalgia yeah. that's right and this one we're we're we're, we're going a little more yeah. into the heart of yeah. the matter so a little more devotional and reflection yeah uh during this one so yeah i am too i'm, I'm very excited about about that and where we're going. I think this is going to be a uh, very nice, uh, easy holiday season for yeah. us to be in with the podcast. So Yeah, same here, dude. And, but we still have one of these obscure Bible verses yeah, to wrap yeah. up, don't we? Last one here in November that we're doing. Um, and uh, this one is, uh, I mean, let's face it. Uh, for for someone who, who would not call themselves a Jesus follower. Yeah. We, I mean, we could have just gone through the whole Bible, right? I mean, the whole Bible is just one big obscure text. Yes. Um, but for the believer, there are certain things where, where even when you read and you know and you understand and you study the Word of God and you see the theme of the you know God's perfect creation, the fall of man, the redemption of history, and then and then kind of ultimately the consummation of all things, um, where they will be brought uh, before God, laid bare before God, and um, His perfect righteousness and justice and mercy will just overflow over all things. You can read passages and texts as we've been talking about. 
Uh, first one that we did, delved into was the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did one that was kind of a smattering of different things uh, through the lens of another podcast called The Haunted Cosmos. Yes. And we we really, it was kind of a review of that podcast, but we pulled out some of the things that they discuss and talk about. Yeah. And then uh, we talked about baptism for the dead last week. What is Paul referring to when when he brings up this again this obscure biblical text this obscure passage what what is this today we find ourselves almost going back to that discussion that we had on the Nephilim yes. because uh, this is just we don't tend to get too many passages where you have these these clear interactions between angelic beings and humans but but let alone angelic beings and one another yeah right we have we have some of these things we we go into the book of daniel um and we're told an angel has come to daniel to talk to him um and reveal some visions and and say he uh wrestled against the uh, what was what was the demonic force he wrestles uh, against? Is it the or, Prince of Persia? I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Um, we we get some uh, hints of <clears throat> communications between uh, Mary yep. and and uh, Angel Gabriel. Yes. Um, but really, that's kind of it. Yeah, it's very little. So we, you and I have talked before, Nathan, as old enough to be readers of the Peretti books. Yes, yeah. Those uh, books in the late 80s, maybe early 90s. This Present Darkness was the mm-hmm. the, the famous one. And then um, Piercing the Darkness. Piercing the Darkness was, was the second uh, one, yeah. Was the second. And wasn't there a third there may have been. Then he did another series that was somewhat similar. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I can't quite remember. But those books at the time were, I mean, they were huge. Oh, they yeah. Were, they were, I mean, if they, if, that, if they had come out during the social media internet age, I, oh. I can't imagine how plastered they would be. Yeah. Because they did well by good old-fashioned word of mouth. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I knew about them. My friends knew about them. Yep. And they were fun books for me to read at that yeah. time. I was a young Christian, and, um, you know, there were some interesting things. I remember the town was called Ashton. Yep. Because Michael W. Was, does a, yeah, he, a, did, a, he wrote a, a little song based on Yes, and that. wasn't it all instrumental? It, it was. You know, kind of an epic battle. Yeah, because um, there, was, there was basically a series of, like, skits that people did to them that kind of followed this, yes. you know, spiritual warfare going yes. on. And there were different versions of these that you would see at that time. Exactly. And, and I, I loved them at the time. The thing that always stood out is I remember they... They uh, had the human characters, yep, and they had the angelic characters. One mm-hmm. of whose names, I believe, was Tal. Tal, yep. Remember that he was sort of the 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 captain uh, of the group, and um, you know, so they would describe a uh, or Peretti would describe a human situation, yep, uh, with tension, and there was a pastor. There was all sorts of things happening. And then the next chapter would be the spiritual realm, yeah, the, where they were talking about these things in the human level, and there were demonic forces mm-hmm. that were going to work. Um, and I remember reading these so invested, yeah. <clears throat> come on, come on, come on! You want to see the 
the angelic forces win, but they uh, they they couldn't go into battle because they didn't have enough prayer cover. Yeah. And um, you, you're rooting for the characters to discover the importance of prayer. Right. Peretti, I got to give him credit, did some really interesting things Yeah, with that. He, every interview I ever saw him do, is he still, I don't even know if he's still around. I think so. Um, I think he's still, I, I don't know that he's writing anything, but I believe he's still alive. I, I think so too. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard differently. But he, um, he would say in every interview I, that I remember, I thought it was careful, mm-hmm. uh, and said, look, I'm, the same thing, there's a few scraps of data Mm-hmm. The ones you just mentioned, yeah, uh, in scripture concerning the spiritual realm, there is not a plethora of information. Yeah, we get just enough to know. Wow, there's a realm that we don't see. Yeah, um, there are very. I mean, the the stakes are eternal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's important. There's demons. There's angels. Little hints. So he said, "I have built a a narrative." Mm-hmm. And filled in some gaps. Yeah. Um, and I remember him saying, nobody should be building a theology right. out of Peretti books. Right. Yeah. I say, you look, you don't build a theology out of fiction. Right. You don't build a theology out of the Left Behind series. Right. Um, <laughs> Please don't build a theology no. out of Left Behind. You know, you, you get all kinds of stuff, but people read and they, they assume yeah. this is it. It's, it's almost like uh, probably... A number of people think that when Brutus and Cassius killed Caesar, right. Caesar said, "At two Brute, right. that'd be awesome." <laughs> but uh, you know that's Shakespeare, right? So the likelihood is he said nothing. He felt right. the pain and died, right? Uh, and and that's it. So I would say this is a subject that is always incredibly interesting to people. Understandably, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, much like our comments on the haunted cosmos, yeah, yeah. right? People are always saying, is there a Leviathan? Mm-hmm. Is, are these their creatures? Is this demonic? But this passage that we're going to cover today is got to be one of the most, what? Right. What, what did I just read? And I do see why there's intrigue. Yeah. And again, <clears throat> it's dropped in here in Jude so quickly, matter-of-factly. Right. And it's always like you, here's what it reminds me of. How many movies have you watched? I remember mm-hmm. feeling like this about Lost. Did you mm-hmm. watch Lost? Uh, parts of it, yeah. Near the end, when cryptic characters start revealing themselves, yeah. that you're pretty sure are supernatural. Yeah. And they're talking to the survivors on the island. I remember reading, I think, Dave Barry, the, the comedian, his commentary on this. He said, yeah, this is where I start giving up on shows. Because a guy just appears out of nowhere and says something like, hmm, things seem a little off today, don't they? And the, guy, and the person just looks at him and just says, why do you say that? Like, no, 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 that's not what you say. Right. You say, oh, my word. Right. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and why aren't they asking the questions that I would ask? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that's kind of a... a a standard shtick in yeah. in movies. Yeah, the characters just sort of go along with it, and you, you, they maintain the cryptic mystery. These are the kind of examples where Jude drops this, moves on to other. Like, wait, <laughs> wait a minute! Time Jude. out! Time out! I have a lot of questions. Yes, yeah. um, I remember a, an old SNL skit. I think where I don't know Alec Baldwin or somebody. It's like a 
military um, special unit group, yep. and they've got the um, computer map on the board, and you they, you need to go. Uh, okay, all right. And he turns to the one agent. You know, it's a you know uh, I can't remember the woman's name, but it's like Johnson. You need to get on the so-and-so, penetrate Sector 4 and do this. He goes, that way we can set up the such-and-such, you know, that'll override the bank, you know, tomorrow. And she's like, okay, I have a lot of questions. Right, right. <laughs> and she asks the questions like, so is there somewhere I go to get like a ticket? And when you say penetrate this sector, does that mean uh, there is an actual place that I'm going Or do I just get in the area? Is there like a Holiday Inn Express? Um, you know, it's all these things that right. if you really ask. You're like, what are you talking about? Jude, this passage is one of those. We should probably read it. Yeah. Well, lest uh, lest we get a whole bunch of listeners like, actually, the Bible does talk about more than that, right? Uh, I was thinking of a few other passages. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have Sodom and Gomorrah where the two angelic figures yes. are, you know, warning Lot. You have the angel of the Lord who appears to several different figures in the Old Testament. Yep. Joshua, uh, Joshua most notably, yep. before they enter into the land. So, yes, I realize that there are other passages, but in the grand scheme of the 66 books that we have, it is it is relatively short. And when you consider the extensive uh, time span that Scripture covers— uh, they are relatively few. Yes. So that was my point, not to say that I've listed every single one, but but there are few and far between that yes. talk about these things. <clears throat> yes. Um, and I Just had a feeling we would we would get yeah. some comments on that. <laughs> and that's that's true. Yeah. There. Oh, of course, dude. I mean, there, there's obviously a spiritual realm. Yeah. I think your point uh, is well taken, dude. In the aggregate. It, when you think of the massive sweep, um, yeah. sort of like miracles, yeah. we've always said yeah. there are many, many miracles in the Bible. Yeah. They they seem like they're they're in a very small, concentrated section here, section there, yeah. section there, um, which has helped me because one of the common objections people have mm -hmm. when you talk to them about scriptures, oh, it seems like in the Bible there were all these miracles. I never see any miracles. I've lived. My whole life, my grandparents mm -hmm. have never seen any miracles, so I, I don't buy it. So I always say it's a helpful apologetic to point out to people that those miracles seem mm -hmm. to happen in very specific times. The average person living in Bible times wasn't seeing a miracle 20 right. times a, a year right. uh, or something like that. They, um, they, there were probably sections of history mm -hmm. where people saw nothing. Yeah. You know, there was just, just, life was a lot like ours. Right. There's a God to be worshiped or rejected. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but you're not seeing these spectacular things. That's how I kind of think of this. Yeah. That there's, there's, there is, there's more than enough. I think right. To give us a sense. There's a spiritual realm. There's angels. There's, there's demons. Um, <clears throat> but there, um, they, they they are not the focus of yeah. the story, I yeah. think would be a way to say it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. All right, Greg, take us away into the book of Jude. Yes, let me set it up. Jude is easy because it's one chapter, yep. so every verse is always 
do you actually you'll you'll normally the way you list these things when you have a book like Jude that's one chapter or Third John mm-hmm. uh, that's one chapter you just say the verse yeah right I I sometimes am such a sucker for chapter and verse <laughs> right Jude one nine but it's really Jude nine but to back it up a little bit mm-hmm. um, first this is a heavy book we we've got uh, a pretty clear. Um, denouncement of false teachers and false teaching. Yeah, much like Second Peter, Jude and Second Peter have a lot of overlap, and many scholars think they probably used a similar mm-hmm. source um, to cite. Although Jude does introduce this one we're talking about here. Uh, let's look at. Well, I think for for our listeners, it's it's also interesting to note that Jude is yes a half brother of Jesus of Jesus. Yeah, so we have I mean we have two books from his half brothers, yep. James, yep. Uh, and and Jude, which yeah I think is is fascinating. And Jude gets this short yep. little chapter in here um, in verse eight. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, reference to false teachers who Jude wants to point out we should know. Um, it's interesting that they're relying on their dreams. Hmm. Um, hmm. Boy, that could be a topic in and right. of um, But that's, that's telling because your dreams can give you all kinds of yeah. Um, ideas and th- doctrines, etc. Defile the flesh, which means they're probably libertines. They're just uh, buying into the. Um, I can freely sin. Yeah, and, freely yeah. sin. It's kind of good old fashioned Gnosticism. Yeah, the body isn't important. It's the realm of the spirit, etc. They reject authority. I, I, I'm, I'm just looking at this fresh. I know we're going to talk about verse nine. But the relying on dreams and the rejection of authority is very interesting. Mm. Um, it's it, it's a way of basically uh, making yourself God, yeah. Because you're going to have your ideas, uh, and then this interesting phrase: they blaspheme, literally, to speak against the glorious ones. Mm. Um, let's save that. I think yeah. we can safely say they rather cavalierly speak about and against. Glorious ones, yeah, uh, which seems to be supernatural. Mm-hmm. Now look at verse nine. Nine is the corrective to this example, yep. this attitude. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, "The Lord rebuke you." And then, just to give verse 10, uh, so a little more full context here, but these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Hmm. Uh, This is a chilling section. Yeah. Because Jude is not holding back what these false teachers um, are going to face. Yeah. Um, and their misleading of the church, misleading of God's people. Um, so you've got this group of people that are cavalier yeah. about spiritual things. And then he tells this story, which which some scholars believe is found in another book, mm-hmm. an apocryphal book that is not, we would not be in our canon, would yeah. not be in our scripture. Um, 
So I guess the first question to tackle, dude, is, well, uh, there's this fascinating example, apparently, that Jude assumes they know, mm-hmm. where Michael the Archangel is fighting, contending with the devil. Yeah. Um, and it appears that the devil is disputing about the body of Moses. Yeah. Uh, can, I, can I just say, I think we actually need to go back one step further. Please. Um, and you mentioned this. You, you you said this. What is the book of Jude about? Yes, because I think that needs to be our starting point, right? Yeah. When because that's what we said last week when we talked about um, the baptism for the dead is right. What is the context in which Paul is writing this? And so I think we need to ask that same question. Yeah. What is Jude telling us? What is his ultimate? Uh, you know his thesis statement. What is what is the point he is trying to drive home to us? Uh, and, and Greg, you mentioned it. it. It is teaching against false teachers. False teachers. He yeah. wants to warn us against false teachers. Yeah. And so I think we need to have that mindset going into this section. Uh, agreed. Because if we don't, I think we're going to be deviating into a point that actually isn't a point. Right. No, I, uh, great point. Uh, closest thing I see to a thesis statement, you look at verse 4, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. So he's letting them know. I mean, that is a strong, hey, I'm warning right. you. This is what would happen. Paul said this would happen. Yeah. Remember in Acts 20, he yeah. got his farewell speech at Miletus to the elders at Ephesus, and he wept, and he says, I know after my departure, yeah. uh, savage wolves, he says, will, or, or false teachers will arise, and it's what's scary, among you. Yeah. And like savage wolves, seek to devour the flock. He knows that's coming. Yeah. Because that's always Satan's move. Yeah, is is teaching. Yeah, it's to present a body of truth that oh, this is good, right? And it it's damnable. It right. uh, It will lead us to the wrong place. So that's what he always does. Yeah. I mean, we see that all the way back in the garden. Yeah. Here's what God says. Right. Here's what I say. That's Did he this. really say? Yeah. I mean, that's his playbook. Yeah. I mean, he's always done that. Always will. Um, so the the leaders of the church know this. Mm-hmm. They see it happening again and again mm-hmm. and again, and how seductive and divisive and and dangerous these these folks are. So yeah, that's Jude. Yeah, you know it's it's a, hey, watch out. And what's interesting when you when you read verse four, that kind of thesis statement, you mentioned Acts, but what was actually running through my mind was Romans, where Paul mm-hmm. talks about. Even though they knew God, yes, they did not honor Him or worship Him yeah. as God. Um, uh, you know, Matt last week helped uh, helped out with the leadership conference that we had. You you did that as well. Yeah, right? oh, that was fun. Um, and and so Matt talked about this idea that we are meant to worship something. Yeah, as humans, we are created to worship, and that's what we do. The question is, are you worshiping in spirit and truth, or are you worshiping what's false? Yeah. And that's what we're seeing here, right? That's Paul's whole point in Romans, is that these are worshipers, but they're not worshiping God. Absolutely. And and that's what we see happening right here. Yeah. And ultimately, dude, I mean, they're really worshiping themselves, because 
you uh, notice how they pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny uh, uh, our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. The fancy word here is antinomian. Yeah. They are classic antinomians. Yeah. And they've probably been influenced by Gnosticism, an early mm-hmm. form of Gnosticism that that was was a great way of saying, oh, the flesh doesn't matter. Hey, now, guys, since the flesh doesn't matter, do whatever you want. Right. You know, uh, that that's... Uh, and they're, they're very arrogant, have this sort of esoteric idea of these spiritual truths that they're going to impart. Yeah. They probably uh, lace it with a lot of scriptural jargon. Yep. A lot of lingo uh, that is very appealing, very dangerous. Yeah. So I do think that's important. When, when you get to this story yeah. in verse 9, it's all about pushing back. Yeah, against the profile of the false teachers. Yeah, it's not like, hey, let me tell you something really interesting and right. uh, about this little story between the archangel Michael right. and Satan. No, he's got a specific purpose. Yeah. Um, in fact, dude, since we're there, let, let's just say that now, and then we can talk about some of the theories. Yeah. Um, he did not. Michael, the archangel, did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said. The Lord rebuke you. Right. This is the the. It, this is essentially the five star general. Right. Of heaven's army. Yeah. I mean, in the ranking, dude, there's nobody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this. I mean, the two that are named in scripture are Michael and Gabriel. Right. Gabriel gets the privilege of you know announcing yep. the uh, the birth of Jesus to. Uh, uh, you know, Jesus' earthly parents. Mm-hmm. But uh, Michael is the one here who is mentioned, he's mentioned in the book of Revelation as well, uh, I think in chapter 12, mm-hmm. um, at war, as it were, right. in, uh, in the heavenlies. So this is the five-star general, fiercely powerful. Mm-hmm. I think we can say new Satan, right. uh, because he would have known him as an angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to his expulsion. Um, you know, in a sense, he knows he is the sworn enemy mm-hmm. of uh, the creator that mm-hmm. Michael serves and worships and loves. Um, and, I mean, he is not beating his chest right. and saying, get out of here, loser. Right. He is saying, the Lord rebuke you. Yeah. That's that's his point. Look at Michael's attitude. Yeah. It's humble. It's dependent. Mm-hmm. The battle is the Lord's. Yep. The battle is not, if it's not this celestial. In other words, dude, if Michael appeared to you and me right now, we would pee our pants. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we would pee our pants. Right. Uh, and uh, we'd probably pass After out. that bacon egg sandwich, I might yeah. just have a heart attack. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> You know, and how many times did I make that point? Usually every Christmas we've made it on this podcast too. You know, it's always when an angel yeah, appears. Yeah. Um, be not afraid. Right. And it's, you know, don't die. Yeah. I, I, I know you want to die. I mean, we, uh, it, it, I, I can't imagine it's. Yeah. It, again, what, what does, what does that look like to human eyes? Right. To, to have the curtain pulled back and right. get a peek of this radiant yes power yeah that we've never experienced right or seen right there's nothing on earth that can compare to no. to that i mean you think of you think of like a nuclear bomb going off yeah. and and this is just 
this is magnified by nothing we could ever comprehend. Great point, dude. Yeah, even the the you're right. The 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 shock and all things we have seen. Um, I met dude years ago uh, a player for the Ravens, Jonathan Ogden. I know Nathan's like, oh gosh, are we going to go down this road? I'll keep it short. Ogden, uh, you know was, me. I'll let you. I'll let you drift a little. <laughs> That's right, just a little bit. He was. Um, uh, he and Ray Lewis were our first Hall of Famers. They were drafted when the team left Cleveland. It mm-hmm. was the Cleveland Browns in 95, came here in 96. Ogden was, I think, number one. So he was the number one draft pick that year. Uh, we got two because we were an expansion team. And uh, we did pretty well. We got Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. So um, Ray Lewis was much farther down. Ogden was number one. I met Ogden at a training camp. Oh, my goodness. 15, 20 years ago. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm a big guy. Yeah. 6'4". 6'4", and, you know, dude, what? About 185, give or take 100, <laughs> uh, give. Uh, and uh, so here I I met him. He was walking down, and he was shaking some hands. Dude, I can always say I shook Jonathan Ogden's hand. Kindest guy. He's got mm-hmm. the biggest smile you've ever seen. It would just light up a room. Um, eight. Dude, he doesn't look like a man. He looks like a a, a god, a Greek god. I mean, he's he's just that big and yeah. strong. I think he came in when he was playing. He was probably three twenty-five, three thirty-six, nine. Mm-hmm. Dude, his hand was like a catcher's mitt <laughs> in my hand. That was an example. I think I was kind of an all there, but Michael appears. Yeah, <laughs> Ogden is probably peeing. His oh mitt. yeah. So just, you know, again, to get that picture. So here's Michael, and we'll get to the dispute in a moment. Yeah. Toe-to-toe with Satan. Yeah. And he says, the Lord rebuke you. Unlike the false teachers. Yes. Who speak cavalierly. Yeah. And that's why I do, by the way, I've never been a big fan of the let's go kick Satan's butt. Yeah. I, 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 because, uh, honestly, of this one passage alone. Yeah. I know it's obscure, so what isn't obscure about the passage is it is his point. Yes. Notice we're not even talking now about what's the dispute over. Yeah, yeah. When did this happen? Why does Satan care? And we'll, we'll take a stab at those in a minute. What is not in doubt yeah. is his attitude that yeah. is apparently to be mirrored in the true follower of Jesus. I'm not going to speak cavalierly right. about these things in the spiritual realm when I am a man of clay. I'm dust. Yeah, yeah. I'm a dust mite. Yeah, on the uh, you know far wrinkled corner of the page of history. Yeah, and I'm going to comment on these things like I'm somebody. Yeah, that's what he's getting at. The yeah, arrogance of these false teachers. Yes, and to use this common understanding of Michael said the Lord rebuke, not me. Right. Anyway. Well, and this is, as I've gotten older, this is one of the things that has really uh, shook and bothered me about particularly um, charismatic denominations. Yeah. Because traditionally in charismatic denominations, uh, we're going to go out and we're going to do battle with Satan. Yeah. The way in which you talk about doing battle with Satan, first of all, is kind of distorting. Disturbing. Like mm-hmm. we have anything that we could do to stop that or prevent that. I mean, yeah. all 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 examples that we have of demonic forces being able to inhabit somebody's body, mm-hmm. possess them, 
without asking their permission. This right. isn't like Dracula who stands at the door and is like, can I come in? Let me in. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the power that is wielded there it, it is something that we cannot fathom. Yeah. Second, every example that I've ever heard of what I believe to be true demonic possessions it's not this like party that you throw where you're just saying in Jesus name, get out of there and demons are being cast out left and right. right. And you know, people are jumping up and down and going all excited, throwing a party as a, yeah. The encounters that I've, I've heard about again, that I believe are genuine. These are hard fought, terrifying battles. Yes. You are dealing with evil on a level that you cannot comprehend and understand. And the only thing you are reduced to is calling on the name of the Lord. Yeah. And it's not like, it's almost like, uh, not when the disciples talk about casting out demons, but when when they talk about the encounter where they couldn't cast out the demon. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, Jesus has to do it. Mm-hmm. Right, like these are the guys who have been walking with him. They have done this before, and they encounter a spirit that they can't get out. Yeah, and they don't know what to do. Right. So Jesus comes in, and he he's the one that does it. Yes. It's always fascinated me when when people speak about spiritual realm, spiritual forces, in such a loose manner. I agree. I don't like it either, Nathan. And it is—it's very popular. Um, I—I—I I, I know this. We do not stand a chance against such forces. Yeah. Apart from God Himself, right? And what's fascinating to me is that you're right. I think it's whenever you see it in human hands, there's struggle. Yeah. There's lack of faith. There's defeat. Jesus. Always, I'm always fascinated. You know, when I resumed Mark, you know, the first passage we covered a couple weeks ago, uh, or uh, that we will cover. Right. I'm all out of whack here. Um, Sorry, we're heading into Christmas. Yes. Um, I ended, well, no, actually, I covered this in the first four chapters of Mark Mm -hmm. uh, when we did it last year, because when he enters Capernaum, that's one of his first encounters. Yes. In chapter five, um, when we get there, he will encounter the Gadarene or Gerasene, yep. depending on the translation, demoniac. You know, that's the legion. Yes. Um, just always fascinated. There, there's no contest there. Yeah, right. <laughs> doesn't matter, because that's a legion. Right. You know, Hollywood would have Jesus having to struggle. And, right. And, you know, oh, be sweating, you know, tears and blood. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Yeah. Come at it with my second win and, and win the arm wrestling match with one final push. It's just it's really nothing. Yeah. It's nothing at all. In fact, they see him and they come running begging for mercy. Yeah. Exactly. Like, they they don't even they don't even attempt an attack on him. No. And and uh they they recognize who he is mm-hmm. uh and they are they are terrified. Yeah. There, there's no it's funny, the you never associate Jesus with horror. But demons view him yeah. the way movie viewers would view the most evil, yeah. horrible creature because he has that much power. Yes. And they know what he means to do with them. Yes. It's fascinating to me. Um, so it's interesting. Here's Michael who recognizes the power does not reside in me. Yes. It resides in him. 
even though you could say he and Satan are of the same substance. Right. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But he doesn't rely on the okay, right. let's let's let the Rocky Apollo fight right. unfold. Right. Similar guys, bodybuild training. Nope. Sticks with right. um of the Lord. Well, and I think I, I don't want to read too much into this because we're telling our readers not to read too much into yeah. this. But I find it interesting that there has to be going there has to be something going through Michael's mind. If I attempt this on my own, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. Now he might he might believe that he could ultimately prevail because right. the Lord is on his side. Yeah. But just by using the name of of God, there's no struggle. Right. He 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 knows his master well enough yeah. and knows the power of his master to know this is all I have to do. I don't have to rely on myself. I don't have to rely on my strength. Exactly. And he's representing his master's will. Yes. Um, so, dude, let's... Uh, how far are we gone in this podcast so far, dude? We're kind of... We're, we're at we're at 40 minutes. Good, so let's good. let's go ahead and talk about some of these uh, theories that are out there, some of these ideas that are out there of what this could it's be. It's interesting. We, we know this much that God buries... Moses, and yeah. we don't know where. Yeah. Um, so this is an interesting theory. It to me, it gives me a huh. Mm-hmm. Is it possible? I, well, I, I think it is possible. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying this is why. One of the reasons that Moses's burial site um, was hidden, mm-hmm. um, and we don't no we know he didn't make it you know across uh the jordan and into the promised land he saw it yeah uh but god said nope moses and and there's some consequence to his sin and uh he is going to see it he's not going to have the privilege of inheriting it with joshua and the next generation but is it possible we saw the israelites propensity to worship something right with a golden calf uh, when Moses comes down, you know the mountain, and he's furious, and uh, it's it's a uh, it's interesting. Is it possible that there would have been like a Moses cult, yeah, that unduly venerated him, yeah? So some scholars have argued that it seems likely that Satan wants the body of Moses because he wants it somewhere encased, displayed, Mm -hmm. that might create this corrupt cult of Moses as opposed to the followers of Yahweh. I don't know. Sure. Maybe. I mean, I I could see it. Yeah. Uh, You certainly know Israel is capable of it. Right. uh, To to worship something. Uh, It's always natural to elevate the the messenger and make him the message, make him the embodiment. We know that in the New Testament. Yeah. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians, some say I'm of of, uh, Apollo, some say I'm of Peter, etc. Yeah. Um, You know, there's this propensity within us to venerate people. Right. And then our faith is based upon them. Um, So is that possible that no i'm not going to let that happen moses Mm -hmm. is the most significant figure at this point in the history of god's redemptive work Mm -hmm. god's got this and this is why the body is not going to be in satan's grip Mm -hmm. the other view dude that is often common is that um and again i don't know because we're just kind of 
lost here is that Satan is this indication that he's aware mm-hmm. that um, that there is a bodily resurrection coming someday mm-hmm. uh, in whatever shape our bodies are in, whatever deteriorated condition, whether you died at sea, those molecules and subparticles are all there right. somewhere, right? Um, if you buy that the matter can't ultimately be destroyed, mm-hmm. he's going to marvelously, miraculously reconstitute mm-hmm. our bodies. That it's Satan's attempt to say, no, right. he doesn't get to do that. And he's there in his accusatory role yeah. as the accuser of the brothers. Yeah. He is guilty of sin. God didn't even let him in the promised land, so no, he cannot rise again. Um, those seem to be the two big ones. Mm-hmm. Um you know that, uh, and the third one is sort of related. Is are we getting a little bit of the psychology of Satan mm-hmm. that he wants Moses's body almost as a as a trophy, mm. uh, and it's related to the resurrection one. And that does he recognize how significant it is that Moses doesn't get to the promised land? Yeah. So he sees that Moses is a failure in his view. Yeah. He doesn't make it. Yeah. Very, so this is something maybe among his demonic horde. Yeah. He can boast. Yeah. We got one. Right. And that the Lord's rebuke coming through Michael is a, he's mine. Yeah. He's fine. The vindication of that would be at the transfiguration. Yeah. Uh, in this idea that he appears with Elijah. Right. In 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 glorious right. fashion, right. bearing witness. You know, if he's the law. Elijah's the prophets, yep. Jesus in the middle. It's a beautiful picture. The law and the prophets bearing witness to Jesus as God's uh, rightful son. Yeah. Um, those are some ideas. Yeah. And they're interesting. Yeah. I I was actually, as you were talking, I was just kind of thinking through some of this as well. Um, we are at times given glimpses, not at the actual physical actions of what's going on yeah. between angels and demons, but what's going on behind the scenes, yeah. right? We, we see that when, when Christ rebukes Peter, yeah. get behind me, Satan. I think Christ knows that Peter is, and you've spoken about this, right? Peter is being used as a mouthpiece of Satan. Yeah. I, I tend to believe that Satan was there in that moment, not necessarily whispering, but but there's something going on yeah. where I think Christ is, he's rebuking Peter, but he's actually rebuking Satan himself. Yeah. I think we see that, um, you know, with, with Job's wife, right? Yeah. You've spoken about that as well, that mm-hmm. they're being used as a mouthpiece of the enemy, not like a possession type no, thing, but, no, but, sure. but there is something going on where I think the presence, the essence of, of Satan is going on there. And, and there are these things that are happening behind the scenes that we can't see and experience. Yeah. And I wonder if this is almost what's going on here, right? Yeah. That there's this behind the scene thing going on where it's not necessarily wanting the physical body, but maybe like you were talking about, Satan's stirring up trouble amongst some of these followers yeah. and Michael's coming in to put a stop to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and so I just, you know, wonder if that's what's going on. There's, yeah. We're almost getting a glimpse of the behind the scene picture like we yes. do with Job, like we do with some of these other instances in scripture. Right, So right. No, I think that's, um, I, I, that fits, dude. I, I hadn't even thought about that with the rebuke of, 
uh, Peter, and I'm with you, it's ultimately a, you know, he knows Satan is, Peter, like Job's wife, Job's wife probably has a good intention. Yeah. She wants her husband out of misery, but she's telling him to curse God, which is Satan's whole goal. Right. I want you to repudiate this one that you claim to love, and once you take away the goodies uh, and they're gone, uh, you he won't love you. Right. Uh, that's the whole issue of, of what's going on in Job. So his wife becomes the unwitting messenger of Satan. Yeah. Peter the same way. I'm never going to let you die on a cross. And Jesus said, well, I have to die on the cross. Right. That's why I'm here, Peter. And that your, your thinking is world. It's satanic. Yeah. Um, to, to keep me from the cross. Uh, yeah, I, I do think there, there's something here that's, you know, I dare I say Peretti like, right. <laughs> there's the human story. And is this just that little peek behind the curtain? Oh, these are big things. Yeah. Satan has his reasons. Um, and in one sense, now I understand why Jude doesn't, to go back to my lost illustration, yeah. give us all the stuff. Well, his point yes. is not to give us much. He's aware his readers are aware of this story. Yes. Uh, but he wants to highlight the the moral imperative. Yes. Uh, that, you know, look at Michael's example. Yes. And that's Michael. Yeah. Who, who are you again? Right. Uh, you're Joe Schmo's sinner? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this cavalier attitude. So yeah. this is one of these verses, dude, that I think is um, what I love about it is, uh, okay, this is how I feel about James 5 mm-hmm. and the prayer for the sick. You know, we pray for people regularly here at um, uh, at our church, and often, Nathan, you've helped direct people mm-hmm. back here. I'm leaving yeah. church, hey, Nathan, would you ask uh, yeah. so-and-so to come back in the conference room because, you know, they really need prayer, and I know... Mm-hmm. I want to get them before they leave. If I get caught in endless conversations, yep. I won't have that chance. So we come back here and I pray and uh, I'll try to get the elders to come as well, as many of them as are available on a given Sunday. Mm-hmm. Because James 5 says very clearly what to do. Yeah. There is There are some things in James 5 that are head-scratching for me. I've studied them for years about the prayer of faith, making people well. Yep. Is that a guarantee? It almost sounds like a guarantee. No, I don't think. And can it be, I always say what is not unclear is what to do. Yes. Uh, get the elders together. Get a little oil, yep. which seems to be a, a little tactile symbol of the Holy Spirit, yep. and pray for healing. Yeah. So I always say, I don't have to debate yeah. what I'm supposed to do. God has yeah. commanded it clearly. Uh, this kind of reminds me of that in that I, the, the takeaway thought yeah. <laughs> we've yeah. the sermon is <laughs> don't speak about spiritually weighty matters cavalierly. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he, he, Satan himself. Yeah. Don't speak of him cavalierly. Yeah. He is a serious terrifying force yes um and we put our trust in the lord well going back to to verse eight here right the the, this piece just keeps sticking out in my head blaspheme the glorious ones yeah right i i mean there is these beings whether they be angels or demons yeah are considered glorious and and i don't think that i don't think the term glorious is being used here in the way we would we would talk about God's glory, yeah. But I think it's being used here to talk about the power and might that yes, they have, it is. the I awe, agree, of of what they show. And it doesn't matter whether that's an angelic being or a demonic being that they have a power that we are to look at. And and if we saw that, whether that be the 
the glory and holiness of an angel or the evil of a demon, our jaws would drop and we would be undone by that level of might and power. And that term blaspheme, right? I mean, this this is the term that talks about these Pharisees who have blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. Like, there, there's no hope for you. Yes. You are completely outdone by yes. your ignorance and your self-centeredness, your pride. You, you're lost, right? And, yeah. and this term blaspheme is being used here. Like, don't do that. That right. thing I'm telling you not to do against the Holy Spirit, don't do that against right. these beings. Oh, well, dude, absolutely. and you're, you're right. I'm glad that you mentioned this, because glorious... Um, now, this is a Greek text, but I think the thinking is very Jewish, uh, which is often the, uh, often the case. Uh, you, you'll see uh, a lot of New Testament writers, and I, I think I heard uh, Alistair Begg say this years ago, he's writing like a Greek, but he's thinking like a Hebrew. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, a very strong Hebrew mindset here. And, uh, you know, the word for glory in Hebrew is kavod. And it etymologically, you know what it means? Heaviness, mm. weightiness. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I think sometimes when you think of these, these beings, yeah, they're not, they're not cartoon characters, right? They're not, they're, they are real, authentic, massive. They are involved in cosmic narratives. Yes. Uh, the stakes are the, the, the eternal life and death of people. I yeah. mean, the, these are the highest, matters in the universe uh and the glorious ones the weightiness mm-hmm. of those uh so i think that th- there's something here yeah about how we speak of these things but um that was a good one to end on yeah it was yeah and it was nice ending our series here and so yes yeah i hope it was into, helpful yeah I, one last comment on this nathan i yeah. want to say I, we've said it all along uh, but i want to say it again always just when you come across these passages i think the first go-to is all right let me know what's clear yes and uh, before i consider this what is clear this one might not offer as many confusing things as baptism for the dead sure sure but you know maybe somebody gets caught up and oh my goodness could satan be trying to dispute my grandmother's body who just died. I could see somebody getting maybe nervous about that. Yeah. And I would say, well, let's, again, like you remind us, what's the point of the book? What's the takeaway? What's the the point we're supposed to see? Yeah. Uh, Don't, unlike the false teachers, we do not want to have a cavalier flippant attitude towards these weighty spiritual matters. All right. Yeah. You establish that. That's what I need to dwell on and think about for a while. How's that playing out in my life? And then we can start you know, so you always interpret the unclear in light of the clear. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's the what the reformers call the analogy of Scripture, mm-hmm. analogia scriptura, that Scripture interprets Scripture. Yeah. Um, and we, if you have anything that's ever taken you in a path that seems goofy, it probably is. Right. <laughs> so let's get ungoofy. Yes. Uh, of course, you and I are the worst people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're the worst people to give that advice to anybody. Right, right. We'll try it just the same. Great word to end on, Greg. So we're going to go ahead and close this out. Until the next time, we just rock the Casbah. Thank you again for listening to these Go to 11, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. 
Once again, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you ever find yourself in the Forest Hill, Maryland area, please feel free to stop by at 135 Industry Lane, and you can get all of our service times and information at ChristFC.org. These go to 11.